This is the Macworld Podcast, episode 487 for December 15th, 2015. Welcome back to the Macworld Podcast, everybody. I am your host, senior contributor, Glenn Fleischman at Macworld. And with me, as always, is Susie Oaks, the executive editor of Macworld. Hello, Susie. Hi, Glenn. Well, it's another week and another product. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I, we're not quite at the pace we were in September and even into October, but uh, there's still things to talk about. And we're heading into that, the busy holiday season. Hanukkah is over. We lit the last candle a couple nights ago. And, uh, and now we're anticipating uh, Christmas in Kwanzaa and then right through to the new year into CES, in which uh, team from IDG will be going to see all the products that will never ship. i know i want to go through and make a little scorecard of all the stuff i saw last year and which of it shipped a a few things just shipped like a couple of the home kit things that i saw last year just shipped like the eve um the elgato eve system oh yeah yeah home kits yeah home kits a little delayed usbc is a little delayed you probably see a lot of usbc there is my guess as it was shown last year also Home that would be nice. We need and, a few uh, more USB-C things. Weave and Thread and all the home automation things will be out in force. I mean, CES is a funny event because it's for dealers, and the press goes there in huge numbers, but part of the show is to get dealers interested in buying stuff that might be made, but might yeah. never be made. And I know the big companies are there, but there's also like thousands of smaller companies that are sort of, you know, they don't have their production line set up. They have a really good prototype if they're lucky. Like, yeah, we have a, we can get you 2,000 of these in uh, six weeks. Like, really? Okay. Hey, press the button. Turn on the production line. We need 2,000 of these. They bought. Yeah, it's really for making deals more than just showing stuff off to press. But, you know, we go anyway. Yeah. Well, there's, I mean, you get to see, I like the sense you can tell what can be done in manufacturing, especially in the fast turnaround Chinese manufacturing world. You get to see what kinds of things could happen. The bigger companies are showing things that are more likely to be real in some period of time and the smaller ones are showing what's possible even if they're not making that exact product so that's that's kind of interesting um i remember there's always a wheel of hype there was ultra wideband several years ago uh hd radio was a big thing uh, i was very into a few years ago um things that never quite materialized or or failed as technology uh i remember there was one year that i don't want to mention the magazine it wasn't us it wasn't an idg publication uh may, picked a best technology of the year, something that was shown at CES, was supposed to ship. It was actually in product form, and it never shipped. It actually never shipped. But they put it in the best of the year thing. It was very embarrassing because the best of the year thing had a several-week lead time, and it just never never came out. So CES will make fools of us all if we're not too careful. <laughs> yeah, it'll do that. Yeah, but uh, that's a few weeks away. That's early January, and uh, so we'll be back next week with the podcast the week after that, last week of the year. We'll be off, and then we'll be back in the new year with exciting new news. Apple probably released seven computers over uh, Christmas break, and uh, <laughs> <coughs> it'll be exciting. Um, speaking Can't of, stop, won't stop. Speaking of fooling people, hey, we have Mac Keeper news. So, uh, you know, first <laughs> off, I want to mention, you did the task, like you and I have been, uh, so behind the scenes is you and I have been poking at this for uh, months, where I'm like, I don't want to do the Mac Keeper update. Like, I don't want to do it. I don't, I don't have a spare computer. You got all kinds of computers. You got all kinds of computers in the office. You you dedicate a computer to running Mac Keeper, because we need to update our removal instructions. Well, Mac you Keeper- had been telling 
telling me very diligently that people email us like literally every day <laughs> asking how to get this crap off their computers. Oh. And we have really high like search placement for MacKeeper. I think if you just Google the word MacKeeper, like our uninstall guide is number one before like actually the MacKeeper.com. Um, which is awesome, <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> so, but I, the our instructions had been spread over like two articles, and they just needed a little refreshing. And you'd been telling me over and over again. And I was like, oh yeah, I got to do that. It's on my you know huge task list. I never got to it. And then a friend of mine was trying to download a driver for a really old uh, Wacom tablet, and she just you know Googled the name of the tablet, and she got one of those third-party download ah. sites, and she tried to download the driver and. Along came MacKeeper, and if you just if you download MacKeeper right from MacKeeper, which you know I don't recommend, um, it's actually not bad. So I got the official copy, and it wasn't really very hard to uninstall. Um, but the problem is that they used to have that old affiliate program. Oh, that yeah. was just way too aggressive, and some of those <clears throat> came bundled with you know different things like Matt Keeper's own uninstall things say oh yeah and then here's how to uninstall like this toolbar and this other thing and it puts a bunch of like browser extensions in which like no utility software should ever be adding browser extensions like that just doesn't need to happen so anyway um yeah I installed it on some computers it immediately like enraged me like how bad it was it was worse than I remembered just because like I launched it and I tried it, it has a bunch of different parts so I wanted to like install a few of the parts to make sure I could get them all out easier. Um, when I uninstalled the whole, you know, suite, I guess it is. Um, but yeah, as soon as I installed it, it's like scanning your drive. Now I'm like cleaning up files. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like this is a brand new Mac with a clean install of OS X on it. There should be no like things you need to clean up. And there's like a little built-in help thing. So I jumped on the help and I started, you know, uh, conversing, I guess we can call it, with the with the person who was chatting with huh. me, and I was like, well, "Look, it's not telling me what it's deleting. It's not, you know, like usually if you are using, you know, a file deletion kind of utility, it should scan. It should say, here's the files I found that I think you should delete. Do you want to delete these and get some kind of confirmation? Are you sure you want to delete these? Like, press cancel if you don't want to delete these. And it just started doing its thing just on its own. Yeah. So yeah, and the person was like don't worry, these aren't your personal files. Oh, and I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't want it to be deleted. I mean, they're like, it's just language files. That's what they say. Like, language files taking up space. Like, okay, A, the language files don't take up that much space. Yeah, they're like B, literally megabytes if that, yeah. Yeah, and if you start deleting language files and then you try to update software later that expects those language files to be there, I haven't run into this, but um, I looked into it a little and my understanding is that some Adobe file and like some Microsoft Microsoft apps really want those language files to be there. Yeah, and, it, used to you be, know, it used to be a big size relative when you had small hard drives. The language files were not that efficient, I think, too. And they could actually take up a lot of space. So some of the older cleaning software, uh, you know, I reviewed uh, what size, which I quite like as a visualization of um, – a storage on a hard drive, and it has some cleaning features built in. And, and there's, uh, who is it? Uh, uh, Mac Pew, I think it's called. There's a button, Mac Paw, sorry, Mac Paw, not Pew, Mac excuse Pew. me. <laughs> that would be Pepe Le Pew. It does not make that software. Uh, Mac Paw. Oh, there are actually a bunch of uh, Mac cleaning software that does not install insidious things that are hard to remove, does not market itself as a service, does not have recurring fees. Uh, and what size is, is one of those where its primary goal is to visualize what you've got on a drive? But mm -hmm. it also uh, has uh, like a, you know, clean up old crap 
you know, tool and it'll remove language files if it finds duplicates, but it won't just remove them all, which is the, the right thing to do. Um, so yeah, I think a lot of those tools are under the impression that we're still living in like 2005. Yeah. Yeah. So it was very frustrating and I definitely, you know, feel for anyone who has MacKeeper who was like, wow, that was a huge mistake. Um, so yeah, yeah well, we updated the little guide and hopefully it's working now. I haven't, have you heard from people that are like, I still can't do it or all the, everything stopped. I don't hear from anybody since you put it the guide and I was uh, promoting it. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's this thing where, so the, the related news, the reason we're bringing this up in part is, hey, tell people if you, you know, if they need to get rid of MacKeeper, here's how to do it. You know, some people install it intentionally. The, <laughs> this is the thing. People, I, I said. Well, they uh, advertise a lot. Yeah, it's adware. And the problem is that it's not a good bargain. And, uh, but it does, it, it's not uh, terrible software. It's not dangerous. Well, actually, the thing you had is not good, but it's not, um, it's not uh, malware. It's just, very, very badly marketed software that is installed. I mean, it's got everything about it except this, the, the kind of software it is, is bad. I just want to say we're very honest about it. We don't think people should install it because their business model is not a good one for consumers. Uh, and, you know, they've had two settlements, previous versions of the company before the current owners, um, all of that. So when I mentioned this on Twitter, people said, don't call it adware. It's malware. I'm like, it's not technically malware. It doesn't install itself without your permission. It's just its affiliates try to hide the installation. Then it's hard to remove. Then they can make it difficult in the past, at least, to stop getting charged for it. And, and here's the thing. So Macworld, we've got a story about it. MacKeeper, uh, their data was exposed. So 30 yeah. million customers, all the data was exposed, uh, which is great. And uh, it tells you something because 13 million people do not need this software. And it shows you how effective the affiliate marketing was to, to get this installed. Hopefully they machines. will all quit because it's it's a subscription-based software. So hopefully all these people will be like, that's it. This thing isn't doing anything for me anyway. And they'll quit and it'll finally just go yeah, out of business. You don't need subscription uh, hard drive cleaning. I know. Um, you know, this came up recently. I was writing about uh, a Mac uh, or private eye column uh, because somebody had found that a Mac update, which is one of the sites that bundles update software uh, or, uh, you know, uh, drivers and uh, packages and other things. There are a lot of sites like this and some offer like Mac update. A few others will help you keep track of what's on your machine so you can stay up to date. Now, you know, this is besides the fact that almost every software uh, package I have tells me when there's an update, but some people prefer that and that's great. Well, Mac Update started doing bundling. They started doing adware bundling for uh, some software like Skype. You would find, you know, you do the, use their installer. If you're a paid member, and also and not in every circumstance, you would not get that bundle. So some people were even saying, uh, you know, this is a calumny against Mac Update. They're not installing adware. In the end, I never got a statement from them via email, but they went back and forth with me on Twitter, where they're like, "No, no, this isn't true. We're doing something that's best for our customers." And I'm like. You're bundling adware. They're like, we think what we're doing overall is an enhancement that may be blah. And I'm like, you're bundling adware. And essentially, they admit it, but they don't want to say it. And I think that's uh, a lack of disclosure that's unfortunate. And now I never recommend using update uh, services because of things like MacKeeper and, and Mac updates change. You should always download directly from the maker. And there's no software companies I know of that require you to go to a third party to download updates that, that are you know reputable software. So I think this just reemphasizes that. Both uh, Mac updates change and Mac keepers uh, data breach. Yeah, yeah. Just get the software from the people who make it. Always a good tip. <clears throat> it's hard. The people. I mean, if you're you know veteran Mac users and new users can wind up 
in trouble because veteran Mac users are used to using update sites. They were in the past because they were more reliable and useful years ago. And new users search on Google, hey, I need an update to whatever. Oh, Skype, I'll download it here. And they click the download and it's through an update site and they just don't know. You know, they're not sophisticated enough to know, but. Oh, well. So if you, uh, if you have a uh, Mac Keeper installed on your machine, then uh, for whatever reason, you better check and see what's going on because you could wind up getting uh, a credit report and so forth, depending on what happens. We'll see how they respond. There's a lot of laws regarding data breaches, and uh, not all companies live up to their obligations. Some do, some don't. MacKeeper did claim that they, the, they didn't, the breach didn't include any payment details. But address um, information. It was like usernames and passwords and like your account information, but your actual payment was processed by another company, and MacKeeper doesn't you know, actually know your credit card number. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, I don't actually trust them, but... Well, that's the thing. That's, that's had, what they say. Yeah, it's like we have no specific information, but uh, they have not demonstrated a uh, conformance with consumer-friendly uh, behavior and good disclosure. Ha ha. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, I could agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see. Uh, hey, this is a little more fun though. Uh, Taylor Swift. Hey, you know she wrote that letter to Apple, and now uh, Apple has uh, has uh, signed her up for an exclusive. Uh, deal with her uh, 1989 concert video. That's kind of cool. Yeah, that is cool. Um, Apple Music, I mean, they have like small music videos, but is this one of the first full-length, you know, features that, that are coming to Apple Music? I, th I think for Apple Music, I think you would have had to buy anything else. I mean, I don't think... I think they were. Couldn't you get videos? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, think you, you could had get music length. videos, but this is like a full concert <clears throat> film, so it's like the entire performance. So it should be really, really right. long and so exclusive like, and first, right? So yeah, it's uh, and she doesn't. You know, the thing that's interesting is she doesn't per se need this. This is kind of the great Taylor Swift thing. Is um, I was reading an interview with her about the. Uh, it was from months ago um, when she wrote that letter to Apple, and it was uh, she's technically on an indie label, which I didn't. Mm -hmm. I mean, I love that. I didn't even realize that. I assumed, I don't know the music business that well. I assumed she was on a major label and had a really good deal. And she's like, no, she's actually technically indie. And I'm like, oh, that's excellent. I love how these, uh, I mean, I, I like that what, artists of any scale, being able to control their work is great. Even when it's an artist who is ridiculously uh, successful, but they're still directly in control of their work. I think that's a positive for culture and for uh, creators. Yeah, she's pretty cool, um, and I'm, I bet this video is going to be great. It premieres on Sunday, um, so though I'm sure there's going to be tons and tons of marketing for it. Uh, you probably won't be able to escape it. Um, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be cool. She has I, so she, much fun. She That's puts on a thing. good concert. I, she just enjoys. I mean, I follow like I don't really know almost. I'm you know I'm an old man. I don't follow any. I'm many uh, contemporary musicians. Um, there's some new ones I know and like, but uh, I'm not like, I'm not hip, right? And Taylor Swift, like, I follow her Instagram feed because it's just a hoot. She is not this, I mean, she is a polished marketing machine. I know at some level, but she actually enjoys what she's doing very clearly. Or she's incredibly good at appearing to be genuine and enjoying what she's doing. I'm not it sure It does which. come off very genuine. She's yeah. such a goofball. You don't, if you're polished, you don't let yourself be seen publicly as that big of a goofball. And she's just silly. She posts pics of her cat in the dressing room. And it's great. So I'll watch it. I like, I like the, I like the album. I think this could really get, um, so Apple music did the free three month trial. And I'm sure a lot of people just signed up, you know, right when Apple music debuted, 
But the three months wasn't, you know, from day one till day 90. It was just whenever you sign up, your, your first three months are free. Right. So people who didn't jump on the free trial the first go around, now there's like a big old Taylor Swift shaped carrot <laughs> to say, hey, come on to Apple Music. You still get three months free and you can watch this Taylor Swift movie with all your besties. That's, I think we just saw the name of the episode right now. It's, uh, it's big old Taylor Swift-shaped carrot. Yeah, Taylor Swift-shaped <laughs> carrot, which would be a oh really good-looking carrot. Really nice carrot. I'm sure it would be very popular. It'd be sparkly, probably, too. Yeah. Uh, we also hair, we have red we have, lip. <laughs> we, have, we have other fun news, too. It's nice to have actually fun and positive news, uh, which is Yahoo's video finding app. I saw this article on Macworld. I immediately installed... Uh, this app and searched on some videos that recently I'd tried to find where I could watch them and was like, oh, hooray. This is like the Google Omni search kind of thing, but it's in a, it's in an iOS app. It's and you so like this great. Too. It's so great. Everyone should Yahoo, get this. Yahoo video guide. It's free. And uh, I don't know if they're making money. Do they have a, uh, they don't have a video service. I don't know if they're getting referral revenue. They had that Yahoo screen thing. I haven't heard much about that lately. Did that go away? So Yahoo's not charging for it. It's uh, totally free. And as we note in the Macworld article, there, there's a different product called Can I Stream It that has uh, banner ads on the free version and a $2 pro version that lets you limit your searches just to services you're subscribed to. But Yahoo, by default, knows which apps are installed and lets you – you can choose to search uh, based on services you don't have installed. So you could, if you have Hulu Plus – and you have it on your Apple TV, but you don't have it on your iPhone for some reason, you can uh, include that in the searches too. Um, so it gives you this flexibility and entirely free. Yeah, it's really, really great. It's so much better than Can I Stream It? Can I Stream It was just a search. Like you would go and search for a movie or a TV show and it would try to tell you everywhere they were. It wasn't always accurate. I use it on the web a lot. I don't use the mobile version of it. But sometimes you, you know, it would say that something wasn't on, you know, HBO or something. And then you go look and like, sure enough, there it is. So I wasn't really thrilled with Can I Stream It? But I still used it all the time because we really need something like that. Yeah. And this, and this, this Yahoo click. one, yeah, this Yahoo one's even better because so it has the search feature of Can I Stream It? But it's also kind of a discovery thing. Like if you're just like, I don't know what I want to watch right now. You might fire up Netflix or fire up Amazon and sort of look at the, you know, the things that they're suggesting for you. But this one puts those all in the same place. It'll say, here's what's new on Amazon. Here's what's popular on Netflix. Like, here's what's trending on HBO. And you can sort of see all that in one place and then pick out what you want to watch. So I love it. It's really great. Everyone should get it. It's, it's neat. It's the kind of thing you would hope that Apple would do. But Apple is, I mean, for its own ecosystem. And it's doing that sort of, I mean, you can search, but... I still don't like uh, TVOS's search. I feel like it doesn't provide – it's not really giving me what I want the way the Yahoo app does. And so we yeah. were joking before the podcast, you know, could Yahoo make a TVOS uh, version of this? Ostensibly, they could. If they can make it for iOS, they could make it, uh, they can make it for that. Um, uh, but uh, speaking of Apple, this is my next transition, right? They should just sell this app right to Apple. Well, because they need some, <laughs> Yahoo needs some money apparently. They, they uh, do. There's some issues with their core business. I'm still liking the stories as Yahoo might sell off its uh, core business and focus on I'm like, wait, it, but it's core business. How do they sell off their core business? And the, I don't know. It's complicated. Uh, Apple, on the other hand, uh, speaking of selling things, Apple is apparently decided to, uh, you know, uh, put ads in its Apple, its uh, Apple Store app 
for its so own products. So gross. I yeah. find this uh, unacceptable and weird. I don't know what they're doing. It's just stupid and it's going to backfire. Like it's going to have a negative effect because I mean, it's not like no one, you know, there's no one out there who doesn't know about the iPhone success. You know, if you're using an older iPhone, you're not just like in a cave thinking like, oh, I've, Apple just stopped making iPhones with this iPhone I'm holding now and they never made a new one. So yeah, the story was that they were um, pushing iPhone 6S through an app store, like push notification to people that had older, oh no, it's just an ad in the app store, but it yeah. was like an ad you had to skip. So yeah. when you open the app store, it was right there and it was just like a banner that you had to skip. There was nothing else you could it's press. Bad choice. As John Gruber said, his comment was, it's uncouth. And I think that's it. It's not unethical. It's just not, it's not a good business decision. You don't want to peeve people uh, who are interested in your products are ready, pushing something else at them, it, it just doesn't feel apple And it's not what I use I mean, Apple I guess, for. I mean, I guess it's, it's in the Apple store. Wait, it was in the, oh, sorry, it's not in the Apple store. It's in the app store. So, I mean, if you're opening the Apple store app, like presumably you want to buy something from Apple and everything in there is kind of an ad, you know, it's a store. But this is like you're opening the app store. So you're looking for software for your device and it's saying, hey, what about a new device? And yeah, that's just not cool. I, I, don't, I don't like that. I just think that's, uh, it feels like an intrusive thing. Like they're marketing me based on what they know about me. And I know I have an iPhone, but there shouldn't be, I know I have an iOS device, but I, you know, don't, don't do that. And I hope this is, a, I hope they get enough negative feedback about it. And you know, like A, like they need to make more money, you know. Uh, <laughs> well, they need to crack down on on other apps pushing ads. Like, so right around the time this was happening, I saw a lot of people tweeting. Um, GoPro released a new app, or they updated their app, and there's like an Apple Watch component now, so you can start and stop, and you know, preview your GoPro film just right there on your Apple Watch, which is really great and convenient. So a lot of people installed it, and then you know, you, they got a push notification saying, "Hey, there's a new GoPro camera. Like, you should get it. It's on sale for the holidays or something." And People were super turned off by that because that's actually against the you know Apple's own app guidelines. You're not allowed to send push notifications that are ads. Oh yeah, I definitely uh, I've seen uh, those in other apps too. I get notifications uh, that are absolutely against the guidelines that they're pushing. You know, it's a paid thing that's unrelated to the product, or even if it's related, they're not supposed to say you know get this in-app purchase or this is now available. And you can only do it for very limited things. And I don't think for all that Apple enforces stuff, they certainly don't examine push notifications. I assume if you report push notifications that are in uh, violation of terms, maybe they do something, but there's no easy way to do that. There's no like yeah. push notification spam reporting tool. So do you have to like take a screenshot and then figure out where to send it and send it in. I don't know. Yeah. How I just even do that. I don't, uh, I don't know. I think it's bad. I don't, don't do it. Apple and enforce it better because um, you already got our money and you're supposed to be the privacy company. So don't put ads up that make us feel like we're being watched. Yeah. We, also, we pay, we pay a premium for this stuff because we <coughs> don't want to be bothered. Yeah, and that's why, I mean, I was confused. I was thinking Apple Store, and of course, it's app, it's app Store because uh, Apple Store would be logical. You bring it up, it's like, hey, we have this thing. Did you know we have this thing? It's like, oh, I did not. I wouldn't like it, but whatever. But it would still be annoying if it took over the whole screen and you I had know, to say, just, no, I don't want this iPhone. Please show me your other products. It just would, it, it feels but like it would they're make a to, little more sense. But in the App Store, like, no, no, no. no make it's like, stuff. what, you know, uh, Tim's trying to meet his quotas? He's not meeting his sales numbers for this quarter? <laughs> I know, Tim, right? I'm very unhappy with <laughs> Gotta you. Gotta make those you know, analysts happy. <laughs> you know, that's right. No, I'm sorry you can't buy this phone without the underbody phone coding. Uh, <laughs> suddenly, Tim Cook is in a, re a new uh, production of Fargo. Um 
So let's move on to TVOS 9.1. Again, happier news. Uh, 9.1 came out, I think, just after uh, a bunch of updates came out. Uh, uh, iOS 9.2 came out and um, an an OS 10 update that fixes some problems for people. There's some weird problems. I was trying to track down a problem for Mac 9.1 about people having a time machine stop working in El Capitan. And the email was from a few weeks ago. And... uh, 10.11.2 10.11.2 apparently fixed it for most people. Some It was an obscure problem, but a lot of people were having it if you had a UPS installed on your uh, Mac and, or certain other things. And I found all the forums like, yep, 10.11.2 solved it. So, hey, there's a problem solved. Uh, but iOS 9.1 adds the two significant, two very significant things. The remote app now works with it. Thank Lord Almighty. Uh, Yay. I, I immediately installed it just so I could use the dang remote app. It makes the experience so much better. I do not. I think the Siri remote is actually kind of a failure. I would say because the fact that I will go to my phone preferentially and use an app that's actually in some ways much poorer than the remote shows me that the Siri remote is not a good device uh, uh, relative to what it should be doing. Yeah, the Siri remote has been kind of popular at our house, but we're still having the problem where we keep picking it up upside down. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I saw someone online like took a little rubber band, like maybe the kind that you might have for your braces, um, and just sort of put it around the bottom so they know like there's a thing that they can feel. Like, that's the bottom. It's the side with a rubber band on it. So um, Apple will sell you a rubber band for $13 if you want it, but <laughs> um, there's a little more low-tech uh, solution for anyone who's looking for that. Um, and then the this voice search hasn't really been working that great for me. So I was glad that they had the remote app because I can do text searches more easily. And then um, Apple said when they, you know, made the remote app compatible, that this is kind of a stopgap and they're working on a new Apple TV app that is going to basically make your your iPhone a new Siri remote so you can use your iPhone's um, uh, microphone to enter Siri queries. So that's kind of cool. Oh, It'll I do. be interesting yeah. when that comes out. It's all good. I just, yeah, I think that's the, uh, the you know, this is the thing. So um, I have this deal about, uh, this will sound like such a, you know, like me, like I go off on tangents, I know, right? Uh, <laughs> no, not you. So, you know, when you go into a store, and this has been true for almost decades now, you go into a grocery store and the point of sale system, and you'd look at the point of sale system and it would say, it would have, you know, a little tiny, now the screens are more sophisticated, but it used to have a little tiny LED screen, now they're LCD, now they're fancy. And it would say, press OK to continue. And you look down, there was no OK button. There was a big green button. It might say enter on it or have an arrow. Mm-hmm. And you'd be like, you'd be like, what is it? Why doesn't, and then the store, someone would use Sharpie to write on it. Maybe a little post-it notes. And um, <laughs> uh, and the modern version, of course, is the dip thing we've talked about before, the new card, uh, EMF cards. I go into Trader Joe's, and they have festooned their POS system, and then all the retail clerks have to instruct customers on how to use it. And there's like di- you know diagrams and all kinds of things. So I asked I, a cousin who's worked in, um, in uh, high-tech consulting for many decades, and uh, I asked him years ago because I knew he knew something about point of sale. I said, why are these – checkout systems, it feels like there's two teams. There's a hardware team and a software team and they hate each other. He's like, yeah, that's pretty much it. They're like, you know, siloed elements of the company. So Siri, unfortunately, smacks of that to me. Like, I feel like the minute you have to put a rubber band on an Apple product to tell you which side is up, something's wrong. And I don't know, Apple is never forgiving of itself. Like, it will never say, it won't introduce a new version, you know, for a year. It's not going to say, this sucks, we're replacing it for you. You know, the hockey puck Mac, a mouse shipped for years and years. Um, 
and I don't say this is not an Apple is failing thing, but you get that. We'll talk about the Apple battery case in a little bit too, about some of the trade-offs there. And you just feel like this doesn't have the thinking that I'm used to for the end result of a really sophisticated Apple product. And, uh, and so that's it. Uh, other things though. So nine, <laughs> so besides the remote app, which makes, I had to immediately enter a password and I was like, I have the remote app. Yay. Yay. I uh, can do it now. Also Apple music integration. That's a big deal. Cause that was a missing, that was, you know, sort of a missing feature and the timing was off, but, uh, yeah, Apple uh, music was there, but you couldn't use Siri to, with Apple music, which was weird. Cause you could use Siri with Apple music on iOS and that's Apple music's like big selling point is you can just tell it what you want to hear and it'll play that for you. So now that works on your TV. You can say, yeah. Hey, play me some Christmas music or play Hamilton. I want to hear Hamilton again. Yeah, that's what everyone's saying. I, I'm curious about the number of plays. I've been listening to it on uh, on Apple Music. I've kept my Apple Music subscription. I originally was going to cancel it after the th- the three months, and uh, and then I've actually crept over into using it for discovery and playing a lot of music. So I've probably gotten what feels like hundreds of dollars worth of music out of it in a few couple months. And I'm not. I wouldn't necessarily go and buy all those things. So I feel like I'm actually getting the right utility. At some point I may hit the point where I'm like, all right, I've stopped discovering. Now I'm just giving them money and I'll start buying albums. I'll pay $10 a month to buy stuff or something. Um, the, uh, I want to mention, you know, so the, the, this is the, the subtle thing is TVOS. We're starting to see more and more apps. When I go into the app store there, there's definitely like, we are starting to see a uh, robustness. So it's going to be more uh, entertaining to, te- you know, check out and you can get things that are silly like PCALC by James Thompson, a great product. Uh, there's Peacock for iTVOS, which is sort of hilarious, but he has it on every platform. And there's things like speed test. You can run speed tests now on your TVOS if you need to, uh, mm-hmm. which can be useful. Uh, but I'm testing an app called uh, Channels, uh, which works with, uh, I remember several months ago, I wrote about uh, HD Home Run, which is an Ethernet network-based over-the-air TV tuner. And one version of it uh, works with the cable card technology that lets you uh, rent a tuner card from a cable company, uh, stick it into this device, then you can tune and decode programs also. And cable card has its own um, problems, but I've just been using it for over the air. We get dozens of over the air channels. Uh, sure, half of them are in other languages or evangelical programs, but <laughs> I also get all the major networks and uh, public television and so forth. And um, I use the ITV from Elgato, that's EYETV software, but I knew this device is also addressable. And I've messed with uh, VLC and some other software. Uh, oh my gosh, even I have a Samsung TV and it recognizes the HD home run device because it uses, um, what's it called? Uh, uh, pl- not plug and play, whatever the, uh, the network standard is, not plug and play. You know the thing I'm talking about, right? The uh, <laughs> network based. Um. Uh, yeah, oh, it's so funny because it's, it's got one of these generic names, but. Uh, Everyone laugh at us at home because I can't remember the name of it. It's largely in the PC universe, but uh, it'll discover it um, because it's a standard protocol for it's. It's the uh, general version of uh, of Bonjour. This is the thing that everybody else uses, and um, UPnP. That's what it's called. Universal plug and it is plug and play. Universal plug and play. Okay, I was uh, like, I think he's talking about UPnP. I'm it is, sure. I'm talking, I forgot that it is actually called the thing that it does. Oh my god. I don't know. That's so rare in today's mixed up world. So I was messing with my Samsung TV, which has multiple inputs, and I was uh, working with an external thing. I'm like, oh, my HD home run, uh, it shows up there. And I select it. I can tune through the television, over the network, to the device. I can tune live television, which is kind of cute also. But so channels for TVOS, 
uh, works with HD Home Run and some other tuner devices. So you actually can use TVOS to watch live TV over the air television. It doesn't have any DVR features, but you get live TV in your TV through TVOS, which sounds sort of weird. But the fact that you have a network tuner means I could be recording a program in one part of the house on TV or someone else could be watching it. Uh, and I can be using my TVOS and I don't have to, um, I don't have to be managing plugs into multiple devices. I don't have to have antenna feeds into different hardware. So it's actually kind of cool. And it's, uh, I'd never thought about using TVOS to watch live TV. <laughs> like, oh, all right, yeah. I already have the hardware. And, uh, and I'm, in, I'm in a weird place. So most people who are interested in, I think, major network broadcasts and public TV, I would suspect most people have a cable subscription, even a basic one for it. And I don't want to pay for cable because I think it's even the basic is too expensive. So I bought this one-time cost device and we get great digital stuff. And ITV is a one-time cost. Uh, and I record programs. So, you know, yeah, Colbert I've, Show. Yeah, I saw and, a product a, a couple of years back, I think, already. It was a, two CESs ago. But they did <laughs> ship it. It's called Tableau. And it's like a little oh, yeah. networked antenna DVR kind of thing. And yeah, you connect a, a net, uh, antenna to this little box, it pulls in shows, and then it would send those over your network to an app on your iPad or your Android tablet or phone. So you would watch all your, so the, there was no TV involved. Like you would exactly. watch the stuff on your tablet or your phone. And then if you wanted to then airplay that to your TV, you could, but it would always, it was always going through your tablet. So they don't have an ETA on it yet, but they are going to also do a native cool. app. Oh, um, that's cool. Yeah. So you'll be able to go from this little box right to your TV and the antenna is connected to the box since, you know, you can't connect an antenna to an Apple TV yet, maybe in a few more iterations. I don't know. Well, but it's, yeah, so Apple was talking about, I mean, was was widely rumored to be working on this, the, their own streaming service. So, you know, Apple probably isn't super invested in, in getting you over the air TV on your Apple TV um, you know, <laughs> by itself. I'm sure they're happy to let third parties do that. But yeah, now the new rumor is, you know, according to, to Les Moonves over at, at CBS that, you know, that, that might be on hold. I don't know if they can get these deals done. Well, so. And it's weird. Storage is so cheap now that like over-the-air TV is like people graduate. If you didn't have – I mean, it's such a weird thing. If you had cable or satellite TV and a DVR, you're like, well, I kind of have access to this thing. I'm paying a subscription and then I'm recording all this stuff. But the shift for premium programs and channels – to go to uh, to be available or only available, you know, some stuff's exclusive on Netflix or Amazon. A lot of stuff, if you have an Amazon Prime subscription or a Netflix subscription, you're watching it free anyway. Some TV series, a lot of movies, but there's kind of a gap of which movies you get. But a lot of movies now, you know, they go to TV. That's part of the the window of availability. At some point, they go to TV with commercials. But you're getting uh, a 1080p HD broadcast, and if you've got you know a two or three terabyte, you can get two or three terabyte drives for so little now you have, you stick that on your computer. The ITV software is not that expensive. I have this HD home run again, not that expensive. I think it's a hundred plus dollars. I spent 130, $140 total one-time cost. And then I can record and have offline available without having to worry about streaming. I mean, I've got high, as you know, I have a high speed network, uh, <laughs> which we won't talk about, but a lot of people have, you know, if, Take you have a a lower, drink. if you've got satellite, if you have satellite TV, uh, you know, then it, it makes sense to pair it with a DVR because you probably, if, if you only have satellite internet and satellite TV, but if you have low speed broadband, which a lot of people do, or you're not happy with the streaming performance over the air TV is not a terrible option for what's available. 
even things like Simpson reruns, which sounds silly, but if you don't have a cable subscription, you, you know, you could buy the DVDs, you could get DVD, you know, you can get them in the library. There's all these options, but you could also record Simpsons off the air at it's HD. It's on TV like five times a day. <clears throat> I know you can get the entire <laughs> run in a few months, and uh, so it's it's an. I feel like we've moved like over the air moved away, and now it moved back where it's a totally viable way. So I'm. I'm always checking. I do have to pay about $20 a year to TV Guide, oddly enough, to get the um, uh, programming information. And channel uh, channel software is licensing that information. They'll even show previews of the of the uh, movies and things that are on different channels that are live. Uh, but anyway, I just I like a diverse ecosystem and being able to get so recording over the air TV, being able to get you know exclusive programs on specific things like Netflix and Amazon. Uh, soon being able to unbundle and buy a lot of cable TV channels or get full-on cable or satellite subscription, this should improve competition and what we have available to us. So I yeah. would think. Uh, all right, on to the hump. Where were the hump in this show? Because we're going to talk about the <laughs> hump on the back of the, of the Apple. Hey, so have you seen this thing? I haven't seen one yet. Yeah, we just got one. The new Apple battery case. Yep. It's it's here. Which, uh, <laughs> baby, baby got battery. That's what we keep. Yeah. So uh, I've never really been into Apple's cases. Like I'm I'm not really sure why they make cases since all kinds of other companies make cases. Apple's cases were never that special. I mean, I guess they were kind of sleek, but I just they didn't really you know improve what was out there already on the market. So yeah. I would, you know, and they're kind of expensive. So I was never a fan, but yeah, now they're doing a battery case, which is at least, you know, like a useful kind of case, but compared to the other battery cases, it's just weird looking. It's got a couple advantages. Um, so, you know, it's, they call it a smart case. There's not a lot of smarts in the case itself, right. but it is sort of integrated into the iOS. Um, so now if you swipe up to, or I'm sorry, swipe down to your notification center, there's a battery widget you can install that will tell you battery life for, um, if you're on your iPad, it'll tell you the battery life of your smart keyboard and your pencil if you're on an iPad Pro. Um, and if you're in an iPhone, it can tell you the battery life of your phone as well as your Apple smart battery case. So that's kind of nice. And then um, all the other battery cases, um, they usually, they have to like cover up the lightning port on the bottom of your phone because right. that's how they're feeding power from the case's battery into your phone's battery. So it needs that lightning port. And then there's a pass-through port on the outside for charging and syncing to your computer and, as well as for charging the the the, the, the case itself on every other case on the market that's a micro SD right. I'm, I'm sorry a micro, a micro USB, USB port so this so, is this is light the pass through port is lightning is the big thing yes the pass through yeah, port cool. on on the on the Apple cable is lightning so you only have to carry your lightning cable and it'll work on your phone whether it's in the case or not in the case so yeah if you have a Mophie you use your lightning cable when your phone is not in the Mophie and you have also, a micro USB cable for when your phone is in the Mophie. That's not that big of a deal to me, but I mean, I have micro USB cables everywhere. So, because the, the, a lot of devices, like, you know, external batteries and every Android phone and, and lots of other things use micro USB. So, um, I have those all over the place. But if you're, you know, just a straight Apple user all the time, you might not have dozens of these cables around. So, I mean, but they they could have done so much more with it. Like, you still need, it, um, a lot of these cases, you need a headphone extender. Most of them even ship with a headphone extender because since Apple was so smart and put the headphone jack next to the lightning jack, like, that usually gets covered up too. And they can put, like, a big honking hole in the case for you to, 
plug in your your things, but um, your headphones. But if your headphone jack isn't, you know, like perfectly straight and very slim, it doesn't fit and you need one of these extenders. So if you're using um, the Apple battery case with your Apple headphones, it'll fit. But if you're like everyone and you have third party headphones, um, some of them will fit, some of them won't. So you might need an extender with your Apple battery case too. So I feel like that was, you know, an opportunity that they missed. Um, it, it has the little channel to kind of redirect the speakers from the bottom of the case out to the front. That's not an innovation. They all do that. Um, but it's got a pretty big battery. It's 1877. But the thing everyone's talking about is that the battery is just kind of like stuck on the back. <laughs> it yeah, doesn't, it they didn't shape weird. it to the case. It's not the same size as the phone. So it's just kind of this square hump coming out of the back. Um, John Gruber kind of liked it. He was like, oh, I have a place to rest my pinky, and it kind of gives you an extra place to grip. But it's it just looks funny. I don't know. Um, it, I don't get it aesthetically, like how it fits in. I mean, it's Apple doesn't usually go Apple, – Apple, you know, its key attribute as a company is that it integrates the functional – um, and the aesthetic in a way that doesn't feel like a compromise like that. Yeah. I, mean, I think that is the, that's sort of its mission statement is like products that are more advanced or as advanced as anything in the market, not necessarily uh, always groundbreaking, but they take what's out there and they produce something that merges those uh, merges that in such a way that not only do people like the way it looks and like to use it and it's as good or superior to anything on the market, but they're also able to preserve an abnormally high price. They don't get commoditized and they keep their high margins. And you're like, you look at this, you're like, all right, they wanted to steal market share from Mophie, which they sell in the stores. So, and Mophie is ridiculously overpriced for what it offers most of the time. It, you know, it can cost two to three times uh, a Mophie. They have can, different sizes based on like how big well, the battery inside. Yeah, is. yeah, but Mophie's price. You look at something; they will charge ninety dollars for something that you can actually get an identical, high quality version for thirty. But it's just not branded Mophie. It's you know, it's there's other companies, Anchor and Rav Power, a bunch of other companies making really uh, great battery. Now, this isn't battery packs. I'm talking about portable batteries because battery packs is a very particular uh, market, and it's also harder to make something that works in that in that form factor. Um, but, but Mophie charges a lot. They, they get a lot for their name and they kind of pulled an apple. So Apple's pulling an apple on Mophie. Well, they're the other sh- thing that's surprising is, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Are they still selling Mophies in the store? Uh, I don't know. They were recently, but perhaps they'll pull the, I mean, you know, Apple doesn't allow, essentially does not sell competitive products to its own offerings in their stores. So one would yeah. expect those battery packs would disappear, but they might still have the external USB packs. Um, yeah, I mean, the other thing that's weird about, you know, how the batteries just kind of like shoved onto the back is that making batteries to fit in like tiny, weird little spaces is like Apple's thing. You know, they're like, we invented a new kind of terrace battery we can put in the, in the inside of the MacBook. And they've made us sit through like so many videos about how great their battery technology is that it's kind of strange that their solution for this was to basically like, it, I mean, it looks like if you just had a battery and you just like taped it to the back of your phone mm-hmm. that's and then just co- coated it all with like a, a fine blanket of silicone rubber like that's what it looks like it's it's kind of weird so did you see Neele Patel's oh, we're gonna put this in show notes his theory on on why it looks like that uh yes he said patents right yeah Mophie he's patents? like Mophie has a lot of battery case patents and mm. they had a patent for like the two piece kind of thing where it's like a you know like it, it separates into two pieces and you shove your phone in. So Apple's doesn't separate. It just kind of hinges back. And yeah, so it, it, they might have been 
Well, um, trying to avoid stepping on someone's patents, which I thought was an interesting idea. John Gruber wrote that his internal sources, which are often very, very good, said it's absurd. There's no patent issue at all, which, you know, take that for what it's worth. That's a message that Apple's putting out there ostensibly through a a source that we'll trust uh, and it's been reliable. But um, that's the word. And although, I mean, you know, Apple, I can't imagine Apple releasing a two piece unit because they're awkward. I mean, not that this is not awkward, but this one at least is. Rubberized. I mean, you pull the thing together. You don't anything to. You have nothing to lose and no extra cable. That's kind of. I would suspect that's the guiding philosophy of this thing. But again, I just don't get the. Uh, I don't get well, the. Well, nothing extra, and unless you need a battery. I mean, unless you need a headphone extender, which a uh, lot of people will. Like yeah, I that's would. That's true. That's true. But uh, but other than that, well, hell, all the headphones will be uh, lightning compatible anyway soon. So, but I'm pumped. Um, yeah, well, you know, I want to talk about batteries briefly, too, because uh, over another site at The Wirecutter, where I'm a freelance uh, editor there, um, been looking into a lot of battery stuff lately. And I think it's uh, if a battery case – battery cases suit a lot of people because they don't want to have extra stuff. So um, this or something like it might actually be the right solution for people who want to do that. But um, here's an amazing thing. Uh, Amazon has a micro USB connector battery. Uh, it's one of its, um, what are they called? Add-ons. So you can only buy it as part of an order from Amazon, not from third parties of $25 or more. It's, uh, $4 right now. And it's not huge, but it's, uh, it's enough to, um, you know, you, I think you could charge your iPhone for a few hours or up to maybe get a half day charge out of it, depending on which model you have. And, uh, four bucks, four bucks. And it's tiny. So you'd still need, um, a micro USB to lightning adapter and a lightning cable, but for four dollars, it's really it's yeah. kind of hard to go wrong. Uh, so that's the low end of batteries. But you know, this is the thing in surveying what's out there right now, and I'm working on a uh, preparing a review uh, for MacWorld of USB Type C uh, capable batteries, um, which are starting to come out. I have one from Anchor for testing right now uh the range of prices now it used to be you could go into the hundreds of dollars for batteries and then that went down a bit you can get an amazing battery for fifty dollars you can get a battery for fifty dollars that could charge a 12 inch macbook a tablet and a phone and still have charge left over for 50 bucks so that's where yeah, we're I'm at like carrying externals i don't mind having an extra thing and, and a cable like i always have a cable with me anyway so and i like just having the little battery with me i mean and because it's more flexible too. If you've got a, if you've got a USB, a lot of the batteries. I mean, micro USB is the format for the really tiny batteries, but Type A is what you'll find in the bigger ones, the full rectangular size ones. So, you're, you know, you're, I'm always carrying a Lightning to Type A cable anyway because I'm always carrying a char- charger just in case. I'm never in a circumstance where I have my raw phone, so I'm always there. So then, if I'm going to carry a battery, I want one that's going to be able to do like a full day charge on the phone, which isn't that heavy. You can get those for. In the ten to twenty dollar, well, fifteen to twenty dollar yeah, range. Yeah, they're cheap, and those are still lightweight. They're several ounces. But then, if you're going to go on an extended trip, you know, you might be going up to twelve ounces to a pound or so. But you're still only spending fifty bucks. And I mean, some of the batteries you could charge your iPhone. You could be off the grid for a week, and you know, using GPS and the rest, and have one battery with you. It's uh, it's pretty. Cool. I don't even so, carry my AC adapter. I carry a cable and like one or two small batteries. Like do you plug about, them into you know, the size of like a pack of gum? Do you have your laptop with you in those cases, or you just carry the batteries instead? Oh, I don't use them to charge my laptop. I still have MagSafe. So no, I'm saying, do you do you carry uh, 
Do you carry external batteries and not the AC adapter because you're usually plugging your for phone? For the phone. Into... I don't I don't carry my phone's AC adapter. Right, but because you plug your phone into the laptop when you can or you use the battery when you can't. Yeah. I see. Yeah, yeah. Which I think a lot of people do now. And especially the phones, like uh, some people still will run through if they're heavy uh, talkers or, or whatever. I find some days I have run down my phone by the end of the day, even though I'm working in an office and I have it, you know, I have right in front of a computer most of the time. Um, but other people, if you've got an iPhone uh, 6 Plus or 6S Plus, uh, you know, you're not running it down that fast either. So you sort of need the battery as an emergency or as a top up as opposed to oh my God, it's, you know, noon and I only have 20% less. Yeah. It's a little, it's, it's also odd to me, like the timing of this, like they should have brought it out with the iPhone six because then yes. you could use it for the six and the six plus. Like now everyone who buys it with the six plus, you know, if Apple redesigns the phone for the seven, it's not going to fit anymore. So that's why I don't really like battery cases that much. Like Mophie sends me Mophies sometimes. But yeah, I mean, I can use it for a little while. And then once I'm done with my next phone, this thing is just trash. You know, you got to like give it away or sell it or something. And it just seems sort of wasteful. Whereas I have like little external batteries that I carry around. Like I have the, the one I'm looking at right now that's on my desk. I've had this since I had like at least my iPhone 5. And I've used it with my 5, my 5C, my 6, my 6S, my, you know, it's it's a little like low on the the wattage for for an ipad but you can get a little bit of a charge if you know it's an emergency i guess mm -hmm. um and you can use it for android phones i could charge i've charged my fitbit with it before so yeah um a lot of most of the ones i have like they have a full-sized usb to get the power out and a micro usb to get the power in so if you have a micro usb charging device you only need the one cable and you just turn it around but um yeah i you know i have a lightning cable to charge and then a micro usb to reduce the battery when it needs it so it's a good combination that's my that's my thing but i know a lot of people especially if you don't carry a bag you just want your iphone in your pocket like then a battery case makes a lot more sense because it's all a self-contained unit well, yeah, I, at this point, it's funny, with my 12-inch MacBook, uh, I have an Anchor, that's A-N-K-E-R, for those who don't know the brand. Uh, I have it's a 10,000. I got an Anchor, too. Yeah, and they make their stuff's really nice, and they warranty it and uh, really well. And so I have a 10,000 milliampere hour battery uh, from them, but here's something I learned recently, like all the conversion. The batteries are at 3.6 volts. Uh, the MacBook battery is at 7-something volts, so you get essentially half as many milliampere hours minus some loss in conversion to USB and back. But so I can charge, um, I can't fully charge my MacBook, but I can, I will bring this battery with me because it only weighs, it's, you know, it's well under a pound. Uh, it lets me leave my AC adapter for everything at home. I just have to bring a USB-C to a type A connector and about our cable rather and my lightning cable which i always bring anyway so it means i'm not disassembling my home setup and i don't have to buy a second ac adapter for just going around so if i'm going to yes, work out of the those house, things are expensive yeah so that's the thing so i already the battery is cheaper than that and it's more flexible and it has two ports the one i have and this uh the one i'm testing the anchor uh it's like a twenty thousand milliampere hour battery conceivably could charge a macbook two or plus times maybe i'm gonna this is what i'm testing in part uh holy cow yeah it's huge it's i mean the macbook has a very uh low battery draw and this is a very big battery and it's not that expensive um but it's got a usb-c port so you can actually uh, charge a usb-c or discharge and charge your device um plus it's got two type a ports so um that so that's i'm not uh i'm just testing that the one that i'm carrying around though is not that heavy 
but it means I could spend an entire day out, have no access to AC power, have no AC adapters with me, and still not run out of juice on my iPhone or my MacBook, even if I'm doing something intensive. And that flexibility and cost structure is just, it's a nicer way to work. So I'm, I don't know. I mean, I know that people like their battery cases, but I think uh, because it's always there, it's always on, it's always connected. And this Apple option is a really, um, from the engineering standpoint, what it does is great. Even if aesthetically, it's kind of doesn't doesn't. I got to see one in person. It's kind of like, Ugh, but it it meets a, a target for what people want in terms of high, the the functional part. But I think an external uh, battery is extremely useful. And I think people who haven't checked on prices for a while should, um, you know, the wire cutter, as I say, we've often referred to it. And I do some work there, as I've said. Um, uh, we've got reviews of things like that. But you should also, I mean, Amazon reviews are tricky now because we know that, that people are scamming Amazon system. So I'm not mentioning any particular manufacturers. I have no information or evidence about any of them. But I will go and I will see something that I know is not a good product. And it will have a huge number of five-star reviews. And sometimes the reviews are even well-written. And you're like, there's a mismatch here. Because when you test it, it does not test well, even out of the box. So what are, who is writing these reviews? And that's unfortunate. Amazon, other companies are now pursuing uh, legal action against fake reviews. But I, you know, when you're trying to find a battery, especially I'd ask around, I would look at the reviews, I'd read for specific inf information. And, um, uh, but the price is so low, it's, it's a very reasonable thing to purchase now. Get yourself some extra life. And they make excellent stocking stuffers. Well, that's true. I mean, gosh, that what a welcome thing to get. It's like, I'm always running out of charge. Like, here, grandma is a battery. It's one that of those things that everybody needs, but, you know, not everyone kind of remembers to buy for themselves. And it's kind of a drag to buy for yourself. But if you give one to somebody as a gift, they will, A, use it constantly. And they, you know, everyone likes it. Because we all have, you know, devices that need charging all the time. <laughs> They should make one that lets you inkjet print your face on it so people remember you when they charge. Oh, yeah. The, the, some of the companies <laughs> now, like, so the, back in the day, um, you know, they, they gave you everything on paper, and then they figured out that they could give you press releases and stuff on thumb drives, and now every reporter oh, yeah. has a drawer full of thumb drives. And we're all kind of, you know, confused when we see ads for, you know, thumb drives for sale. We're like, oh, yeah, regular people sometimes buy thumb drives. That's weird because I have, like, 50 of them. Um but now the, the, the new cool, you know, press giveaway thing is a, is a little battery that's like branded. And oh, some of them have yeah. a, yeah, with like the, the company's name on it. And some of them have a little like button you can press and it's also a flashlight. So I like those. I think, uh, yeah, the flashlight thing was, a, was de rigueur for a while. They started to disappear from some models because everyone, no one needs, you got the flashlight on your phone now, uh, LED light. But that was a, that was a big thing. Um, I do even like the, they have a beautiful little LED display on this new, uh, the anchor USB C thing. It's this very attractive ring of lights that shows the charge, but it's just kind of a nice design detail. You press the button, it goes, you know, and I like that. Doesn't cost them. My husband I mean, basically stopped like plugging his phone in. Like I just, I gave him one of my old anchors uh, recently. It's a, it's a small little guy. It's sitting here charging. It's uh, 5,600 milliamp hours. So that's really big, but it's like that's great. very small. And he's basically just been using this to charge his phone. Like so I, I haven't to, seen it plugged into that. the charger. Yeah, yeah. So he charges, he, he plugs the battery in when he's at work and he has his phone with him. And then when he comes home, like, because then he can be charging no matter what he's doing. Like he's sitting on the couch. He can still be like sitting, watching TV and like kind of playing with his phone while it's charging. He doesn't have to plug it into the wall and leave it That's there. Funny. So he likes it. He's kind of gone full battery all the time. Full battery. He's off All the grid. The time. Off the grid. Now just get solar. Get a you know high enough solar 
input and you're all set. Yeah, I've tried a couple of those. I haven't been super pleased with them. They just charge so slowly. I end up just plugging them into charge. We're still on a curve towards more efficiency, so uh, conceivably those will get better. But yeah. I mean, there's a limit of what you can get from the sun, but I don't think we've achieved the uh, throughput on that. Um, yeah. Well, this has been another week of the Macworld podcast. Susie, thank you for joining me. Yeah, always a pleasure to talk about nerd stuff. Nerd stuff. And we'll be back next week. And you know, you can One contact us. One more podcast for 2015. That's right. No, we'll sing Old Lang Syne and uh, for old, Ma- old uh, iOS sign. Uh, and uh, you can email us at podcast at macworld.com. Go to macworld.com and leave comments on this podcast entry. And, um, and you can find us. We want to hear from you. So let us know what you're interested in. We'll talk about Tell it. Tell us if you like our new ad-free <clears throat> format. Ad-free format, exactly. It's, uh, it's uh, easy, easy listening. And, uh, but uh, I've been Glenn Fleischman, a senior contributor at Macworld. And this has been the Macworld podcast number 487 for December 15th, 2015. You will see us next week or hear us at least. And thanks for listening. Bye.